Hi, y'all. This is Day and Ari with Winchell Time. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, y'all. It is Tuesday, September 3rd. Welcome to September. Happy September, Happy everybody. Happy September. We all survived Labor Day yeah, weekend. Yeah, exactly. Well, we had a really good time over Labor Day weekend. Really good time. Uh, so it's about 2.30 p.m. again on Tuesday, September 3rd. And today Fourth. is September 3rd. 3rd? <gasps> My computer's at September Hold 3rd. Hold it up and think it's September 4th. What do you think, Lawrence? Do you think it's September 3rd or September Today 4th? Today is September 3rd, all day. <laughs> so Lawrence and the computers agree that it's September 3rd, Tuesday. Oh my God, it's really September 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so we are extremely pleased to have a longtime friend, um, acquaintance, business associate of Aries. Yeah, co-founder of the uh, Blockchain Council here, too. Yeah. The big thinker. Also really good friend. Say yeah. hi, Lawrence. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do the Satoshi math with the price of Bitcoin in the main segment, but just wanted to go ahead and uh, get the uh, initial introductions done. And so uh, we'll go ahead and run the disclosures disclaimers with Dom. Thanks, Dom. Hi, y'all. This is Dom from CoinMe, or you might know me from The Blockchain Minute, your daily show for the most important story on the blockchain. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Security and Exchange Commission of the United States of America, or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that the hosts, Ari and Day, and their guests are not financial advisors of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of this known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion that may be found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. All right. Thanks a lot, Dom, for reading the disclosures, disclaimers. appreciate you being that little bug on the windshield out there with us on this uh, journey of podcasting that we uh, started with you. So, all right. So, Satoshi Math, do you have the price of Bitcoin, Ari? Yes. I will pop open my Blockfolio app. We uh, went down to the nines, and then we were back up to the tens, right? Yeah, that was a little scary. Yeah. So... The Bitcoin maximalist would say, like, huddle, huddle. <laughs> yes, what is it? It's $10,705.76 today, Whoa. right now. So that's up 200 from this morning. Yeah. So why are we trending up? Don't wait, then Dave's going to talk about that. And that was 1, 1004.1. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4. Okay. So you divide the number 1, which mm -hmm. represents 1 U.S. dollar fiat. By point zero 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 one zero seven zero four. Yep. And you can purchase nine thousand three hundred and forty two Satoshis with a single dollar. Woohoo. And over the weekend we got fifty thousand free sats from Casa. Oh right? yeah. yeah. And so actually this has been helping me a lot. I I did I was like, oh, what's fifty thousand Satoshis? What's fifty thousand oh, divide by ten. Oh, it's about five dollars. So this really helped me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some profitable I guess promotional satoshis given to us uh, from various sponsors and guests at the uh, Bitcoin Is conference. Yep, specifically Mr. Weekend. Michael of Casa. Yes, yes. Well, I also got five thousand. I also you got, got fifty thousand sats from uh, Liberty X, the <gasps> ATM. Oh wow! Yeah, one so based Chris out of Boston, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. And I got a T-shirt too. <laughs> Good stuff. Collecting yeah. the swag. Lots of swag. Exactly. Yeah. Do you mind, Lawrence, if we go into a little bit of price action talk? We really yeah, do, let's it. do it. 
just because I don't want to like overweight us into the, you know, crypto bro trader, you know, category. I just do it just to kind of keep track. But uh, it was a little tenuous there for a little bit because the 10K, anytime it goes it, under 10K, the joke on Twitter is this is the last time we will ever be under 10,000. And then it goes under 10,000 again. It is such a barrier and it's such a psychological barrier because you're moving into five digits. And, and that's, hopefully staying there permanently. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But but that's it. So five is the number of change, right? You start with four legs on a table mm-hmm. and that's a nice basis. And then you get to that five. And if you remember the first time it crossed 10,000, I wrote a whole series of tweets and stuff on LinkedIn. People need to get over that. And when it moves back and forth, mm-hmm. they get psychologically stuck. The market is driven by that until we go to 100% algo trading, which we never will. Never will. People's, no. No, that'll I, definitely be a topic. Keep going though. Yeah. yeah. Right? Until I mean, then. Until then, mm-hmm. it is always going to be what do people feel? What's going on inside their heads? How is the market feeling? They're looking at tweets from the president. They're looking at things going on in China, looking at economists saying recession, no recession, two years out, three years out, six trade months. Trade war. Yeah. Trade war, right? So that's where they go. So the the interesting thing is it's starting to track with markets and it was going last year, if you remember, completely against the market. But yeah. do we want to distract um, the market? Uncorrelated is the word that everybody likes to use. Right. They, it's completely uncorrelated. No, we don't. We want it to be its own market. And even more importantly, we want Bitcoin to get broken from all of the other, disconnected from all the other tokens because yeah. they go up. And right now they're saying, all of the altcoins yeah. are bearish because of what's going on with Bitcoin. But when they can stand on their own yeah. and people see a liquid circulating economy of Litecoins, Monero, yeah. ETH, then they're going to make their own decisions. And the same thing happens in traditional markets. One retailer has a problem. They get hacked. Mm-hmm. Every other retailer takes a hit, even though it had nothing to do with them. That's the psychology of markets. That's what drives prices. You know, mm-hmm. so the trader in me, just like that example you just said, so, mm-hmm. you know, I got a bit of a history in, in trading stocks and stuff. It's taken a while for me to learn that when that stuff happens so fast, so instantly, you know, like all the other big retailers go down, say after Target gets uh, hacked, it, it's probably not the real long-term true holders in these company stocks. It's more like trading, and I hate to use the word, but it's more like manipulation by very short-term traders, or I like, think. Isn't it the idea that you're shaking out the uh, non-loyal people when these things happen? Or something of that. Maybe. I'm not a what trader. What do you think, Lawrence? I am not a trader. It, it's hard to say, but I but I think Day has got got it right. It's that there are people with too many knee jerk reactions. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. And that's that's how they they react to the market. So for savvy traders mm-hmm. who have the wherewithal, you can make some real cash on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the dip. Yeah. And so the name of the game in the Bitcoin game is hodling or hodling. How do you yeah. say it? Hodl. Hodl. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you uh, are you thinking about stacking sats and holding Bitcoin and stuff like that? Are you a cryptocurrency guy? So in actuality? I I watch a lot of it. I released all my holdings a couple of years ago for different reasons, mm-hmm. but I would hold long. I'd be very long right now. Right on, right on. So let's go back to uh, what we were talking about a second ago. 100% algo trading? The algo trading, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're saying that that needs to come in, but it will never come in? Or wait, wait, wait. Pause, pause, pause. What's algo trading? So I'm not a trader, remember. So algorithmic trading. Somebody programs in a series of behaviors. Mm-hmm. They look and watch the, at the market. We've got a local company that does that. Strix, Strix Leviathan, yep. yep. Partner in the Blockchain Council. Right. Great people. Until everybody is doing it, then you won't have sentiment in the market because programming sentiment in is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. So when some people are doing it, those algorithms are going to react to it because they see patterns and fluctuations. Mm -hmm. But human nature is sometimes people lose their nerve or have things going on in their lives or someone tweets something out Mm -hmm. that sets off a panic. And that's what sets off cascades of trading. Mm, okay. And 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 I, that's where I think you know Lawrence's opinion. Until you have that, markets are always going to be driven by emotion of some of some level. Well, yeah. that's the part that doesn't change through all the 
decades and hundreds of years and centuries, which is human nature. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, humans. You gotta <laughs> love them. And sometimes you go, oy vey. <laughs> and, uh, and just to, uh, you know, do a short little quip, nothing we say is financial advice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's commentary and opinion. We, we'd like to have a lot of fun around here. 100% opinion. Yes. Yes. So we covered the algo trading. Well, I think this would be a good time to go back into history to learn more about Lawrence because... Oh, we talked like, to, we were talking about the East yeah, Coast, the uh, East Coast versus well, West Coast Well, rap. not even that. <laughs> uh, like, to put context around it, like, Lawrence, I've known you for many years now. I don't even know, what was the number of years that we came up with last time? It was like six or seven and how'd or you guys, three or four. How did you guys get introduced? We met... <laughs> founder I, Dating. Oh, yeah, Founder Dating. I was the uh, community manager here for FounderDating.com. We would host these uh, monthly update uh, meetings where it'd be about 50% business, 50% technical, and try and meet different people and come up with these 15-minute uh, exercises on doing a startup and how you would work together. And then if people liked each other, then they might go out and have second dates after our event. So, yeah, we met at that. It was fun, and you were... As you said, you were organizing it, you were running it. I got to meet a lot of really cool people, and I can't remember. All I remember was in Collins oh. Pub. Uh, right. But I know there were a bunch of other people that they're still around in the community. Yeah. And we came up with three different business ideas, and we ended up tag teaming on at least two of them. Yeah. And that's what's so wonderful about this community. People do come together. They get together at meetups. In fact, most of the long-term friends that I have here, yeah. I've met at meetups. Oh. Like meetup.com meetups or just like different events, um, generic meetups? Generic meetups uh-huh. because some of them were, in fact, I remember the the first law meetup I went to uh-huh. uh, for startups was hosted by Joe Wallen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some mainstays in the community. I just find that the, the community is really good about bringing people together. But I think we also need to figure out how to make more longevity around. And that's one of the things happening with the Blockchain Council. That's an ongoing thing. And every month we're doing the happy hour. And it's kind of the same group, but it's also a growing group. Yep, we're trying to make it more regular, build some real uh, foundational relationships within the community so that we're not just talking about the topic at hand, which is blockchain in this instance, but we're talking about, hey, you know, you're not just this one dimensional person in blockchain, you have a whole bunch of other interests and you're also, you know, maybe have a family or don't have a family or, you know, you have different interests too, right? Well, when you get together with people, you're you're not only working with them, but you're learning about their lives, what they yep. do. And when things get tough, you really want to know that that's the person that you want standing next to you or sitting next to you at a shared workspace or wherever you are. And mm-hmm. it helps to get to understand people's mindset. That's true. Very true. Hey, so before we continue on, uh, when we get back here in a second, like when you moved here and then mm-hmm. why you moved here. So we'll start on that. But uh, as far as the price, going back again, so <laughs> yeah. we're at uh, 10000 you know, 700 just now we yeah. quoted. What's your prediction on Ooh. just your best, Actually, you know, kind really- of, like you said, human behavior, human emotion. What is your short-term 2019 forecast on how the price fluctuations will go? So 2019 is tricky. This is going to be a messy month. Mm-hmm. Uh, September generally is for markets. I think we're going to be flat. It's going to bounce all over the place and go nowhere. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to stay between 9.5 and 11.5. I think by the end of the year, we're going to get our heads sort of cleared out mm-hmm. 14 14 yeah i was calling 15 earlier mm-hmm. i think 14 is where it's going to top out mm. but we're going to see a trend and what we'd call solid or what i would call solid stacking of sentiment underneath it because uh this is a- historic i mean every four years we got the having coming up in may yeah. Ooh, what do you think about that the havening or the having? How do you say it? <laughs> it's a having. <laughs> yeah, it's and a And for having. those that don't know what the having or havening is, what is it? Lawrence. The complexity of the algorithms to solve problems is going up by double. Uh-huh. So this is going to be where the uh, reward for block mining mm-hmm. is going to go in half. So I think it, you started out at 50 it went to 25, like uh-huh. after four years, right. and then it went to 12 and a half. So now we're going to see 2020 May, we're going to see it go to 6.25 Bitcoin right. per approximately 10 minute block that gets mined. And the reason behind why Mr. Satoshi Nakamoto designed it this way is because... 
So I, I think there's a couple of ways to look mm -hmm. at it. I, and I also don't think about the the having of of the reward because if you look at markets, mm -hmm. or again, I think of it this way, there are more people mining, there's more work being done, there's more opportunity for rewards. Yes, the reward on each one is less. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to create a finite amount. Mm -hmm. There will be and is a calculable amount of Bitcoins in existence. Mm -hmm. We have no idea how much gold or copper there is in the world. True. And those are other commodities. So that's that's the analogy that, that's most used. Mm -hmm. Again, it's about what people think they want to do, The but the hash rate mm -hmm. are the highest they've ever been. True. Even with the amount of uncertainty in the marketplace. So you've got to look at all of those factors. That's why, yes, mm -hmm. it's going to go half on the amount of the reward. Eh. Who cares? So on, on that note, sorry to Ari, but can you bring up the paragraph that we wrote up to just further define ourselves and who we're talking to? Because I think at this point it might be a good place to for you to look that up. Uh, so I'll let you read in a second. But to go into the hash rate, considering the audience in there and I are talking to, uh, what is the most simple, basic way that you would describe what the hash rate is it's to, to a someone off the street to yeah. a second grader like maybe not a second grader well maybe yeah a sixth use grader. very simple words it's the <laughs> amount of problems yeah. and energy in terms of power that you need to do to mm -hmm. solve a puzzle and then in this case it's a mathematical it's a mathematical computer puzzle. science puzzle yeah and so airy we we missed this in the intro <laughs> yeah so for those that are tuning in uh for the first time or early uh windshield time is a podcast it's a non-technical fun podcast about life, money, and Bitcoin for parents and busy professionals who are curious about Bitcoin, blockchains, and crypto assets. We and our guest today, it's Lawrence Lerner, talk about this evolutionary technology and how it touches all parts of our lives. Because what part of my life does money not touch? I mean, it's it's everywhere. But so then we also yeah. have to be very uh, careful about you know too many words and um, jargon vernacular. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Too yeah. much jargon. I can, I can be. I can do that. And we we have to catch ourselves too uh, when we you and I, Ari, get yeah. caught up in that world of jargon and lingo and you know all that stuff. Uh, I think I was saying a second ago, like, can we go back to when well, you moved to said, Seattle? No, no, no. Before what? you go, that 2014, you said uh, 14k is going to be the high for Bitcoin. 2019. 2019, sorry, yes. <laughs> what year am I in? And then uh, next year is 2020. So Mr. Anthony Pompliano says, what, 100K That's by 2021. 2021? Yeah. What do you think about next year? So you mean, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. next year, 2020. There's so, mu there's so year. many factors that, that go into it. Pomp is, is such a futurist and so positive on these things. Yeah. I'm going to be more conservative. Uh -huh. I'd say that if we can get a stable floor of 15, it'll hit 20 and it will stay there and continue to trade. And I still want to see it separated, the movement separated between Bitcoin and other coins. I think that's more important than any pricing, but that's me. So 20 by the end of next year. Yeah. Ish. So 20K by 2020. 2020. End of 2020. All right, cool. All right, so we can move on from the price All right. conversation because this is something, you know, it's it's so fun and it changes every second, every hour, every day. It's something that is just so much fun and sometimes controversial it is. to talk about, you know, so we got to control we're at ourselves. We're 10,687 already. <laughs> like I said. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So when did you move to Seattle and what brought you here? 2014 is when I moved here. I'd actually been doing business here for about four years prior to that. I worked for a, a systems integrator in Orange County, California. And we had a bunch of companies like Costco, Starbucks that we're doing a lot of work for. And at the time, Starbucks asked me to sit on the board of one of their partner companies. So I went in, started spending a lot of time here and in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I said, this is a great place. <laughs> Tech, better weather than Chicago, much yeah. better. And we'd had two brutal winters in Chicago where we got more than 28 inches of snow mm -hmm. uh, in one day. Mm -hmm. And Ooh. that's brutal. It, no it is. No. <laughs> Daughter was going to college, kind of an empty nester. And I said, this is where I'm going to move. I had a great community, met lots of great people like Gary and Yay. a whole bunch of other people that I had met that um, I've stayed in touch with, even, you know, was in touch with before I moved here. And that was it. And I got a great place in Queen Anne and nice. lived downtown. Nice, nice, very cool. So that's really relatively new, 2014, because Ari yeah. has been here now for 
15 ish years. 18. 18. Yeah. I moved here in 95, so that puts me around 20, over 20 years. And so. You are a full on adult Seattle experience, and I have a uh, newly minted adult in my Seattle experience. (laughs) And you have a. uh, Adolescent. No, no. What's five years old? Five years old? It's an adolescent, I think. Toddler? Toddler. 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 Might be a toddler. Toddler. Seattle toddler. (laughs) <laughs> Why Seattle? Did you look at other cities? Oh, yeah. Well, is there a compare contrast to other cities? So the only other city that I looked at really hard was Austin. Austin, yeah. Nice tech community. Great music scene. So both have great live music. Yep, yep. And that's really important to me. Indie music scene here is amazing, mm-hmm. as it is in Austin. And I was also looking to just move out of the crazy weather patterns. Spiritual community is much stronger here. It's 2% of the population, which is really large compared to the rest of the country. Really? Because yeah. is Seattle the most godless uh, country godless. in the... Uh, in the That sounds so tragic. No, I mean, godless. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like the least spiritual, least churched, least church-going so, maybe, or something like that. So what, what the... Surveys say today is what we're calling them are the religious nuns. Religious nuns. N-O-N-E-S. They don't declare religion. They declare that they're spiritual. Uh And I think what I found uh, as being a faith leader in the community and and working with a lot of interfaith groups Mm -hmm. is that people have very strong opinions Uh about their faith. Uh They're less so about a particular church or place of worship, but they feel a connection to the divine. So it's like Buddhism and I'm spiritual and I like to meditate. So so that's that's what they're considering. That's that's part of it, but as you know Buddhism is Buddhism is a philosophy and not a religion. So you can be Christian or Jewish and, and be Buddhist. I kind of want to ask now the religious leader thing. So you're a religious leader, does that mean like you're a priest and Catholic or what does that what does that mean? So <laughs> It, it means I am a priest. I'm a uh-huh. Wiccan priest. Wiccan priest. What's a Wiccan? So Wiccan is a, a neo-pagan earth-based religion. So we look at harmony in nature, eco-friendly, making sure that the world, uh, that we're stewards of the earth. that so, we take. So it's like a religion around being green. That's one way to look at it. Okay. And it's been around for a very long time. Uh-huh. And we have many gods that we worship and are part of our day-to-day lives. So this is an aspect of Seattle that I had no idea this about. This is a Seattle thing? This well, is a... I mean, just, well, I guess anywhere. Really? But I've never heard any, I mean, you know, when I hear the word pagan, it doesn't necessarily, you know, I'll, I'll be blunt with you, candid. You know, it doesn't necessarily make me think of, uh, you know, nature and being green and being in balance with nature and all that kind of, of like stuff. Reminds me of like the Salem witch trials or something. It, it might, that, kind of reminds me of that so we, That was on Confused. the other side. <laughs> what? They were burning us. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, because you were not Christian? So that was I, what's I think because our, so I'm going, I'm not going to yeah, talk about any me. particular faith. Yeah. Because certain people believed other things. Uh-huh. Um, and, and a lot of those were very anti-feminist trials because the majority right. were, so women who were outspoken back then did not fare well. I would have been dead. Whereas yes, here, been here. Whereas here <laughs> yeah. in Seattle, yeah. we've got a lot of women leaders. We have a, a woman mayor here in the city, mm-hmm. uh, a lot in venture capital, mm-hmm. a lot in tech. All of the tech companies are making a strong play for that. So it's the mindset of the community, not so much about any one faith, though you know you can be strong in a faith and believe that support and the women's rights and equality in our faith is extremely important. In fact, women are most of the faith leaders. Wait, so then I have a question. So if Buddhism is not a religion, it's a like philosophy, what, philosophy, philosophy, which I didn't know. Yeah. Is, uh, would you say paganism is also like a way of life philosophy more than a religion or is it religion because you're a priest? I'm confused. So it's a, it's an umbrella term okay. for pantheistic, Uh-oh. polytheistic, Uh-oh. people who worship many gods, look at nature and other faiths. So it's a, an umbrella term, sort of like Christianity uh-huh. is. Right, because you've oh, got all the different uh, Protestants and all that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. correct. And, and Catholics are considered Christians, 
but they would consider themselves different than Protestants, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Gnostics. So so paganism is like the big umbrella name. And then which paganism are you? Wiccan. Wiccan. Okay. Um, This is this is nice. I'm getting. I'm learning a lot here. This is good stuff. So, and this is more of a religion than a philosophy. Correct. So then you uh, worship multiple gods. So then in the world of feminism or being green, do you have a green god like the tree? I'm sorry. I, I, like, no, no, it's, what, it's, it's a it? fair question. So there are different gods that represent different aspects of nature and the world that, mm-hmm. that we live in. And some of them, probably anybody who's gone to... Uh, through the American school system, went through learning the Greek gods, yeah. Demeter. Oh, yeah, that's very, Pan, very common. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So oh, those okay. are some of the same. And everybody's seen the Marvel movies. The Norse gods are not like uh, the kindly grandfather that Anthony Hopkins is <laughs> when he represents Odin. Okay. But Odin is certainly one of the those gods. Oh, yeah. no, it makes, it makes the whole aspect much more approachable, I think. I yeah. mean, it's like I think that uh, there'll be a materially significant number of people who may hear little quips about this and that, maybe behind the scenes, yeah. you know, about Lawrence. And yeah. then, you know, they won't be as, um, you know, they'll be intimidated about approaching you yeah. and talking to you really? because of this kind of yeah. background. I think yeah, well, so. That's yeah. what I've heard. So people have been like, oh, you know, Lawrence Learn. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, well, he's really religious. And I'm like, I think that's a big part of his life, yes. They're like, well, do you know more about him? I'm like, no, actually, I don't. I just know that he's really religious. But well, he's not affected well, he's our not, relationship at all. At well, all. I would say, I would say uh, maybe people might notice, but mm-hmm. then not have the courage to really walk up to you and talk to you about this kind of topic, you know? Really? It could be kind because of, yeah. I get people really come up to me all the time. I'm sitting in a, I was in La Marzocca, and I had three random I, people come up to me um, and talk to me now. I'm always about blockchain. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was Seth Goldfarb, right? Oh, Seth, so, yeah. Seth is a good guy. But a lot of the things that, that we do every day, but you don't notice it. Yeah. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. Is Odin's day. Oh, not just hump day. Wednesday. No. <laughs> Thor's day is Thursday. Thursday is? Thor's day. Thor! Like Thor. the real Thor? Like the real Thor. Oh, like Thor's a thing. Yeah, Thor's a thing. Not just a movie. Not just a movie. Uh, oh, wow. Book. So I'll first. give you one more example, and I know yeah. this is tough for radio. So this is called yeah. the Star of Inanna. You're wearing a necklace, and yeah. it looks like it has a flowery, oh, like an atom. It looks like an atom with, uh, with the rings around it. It Yeah, it kind of does, but does if you look closer, does it remind you of anything else? A dragonfly? Okay, a flower? It's a day. A sand dollar? <laughs> Time for sure. her to get glasses. It's a compass. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Compass. So the first compass was in, developed in China in 206 BC uh-huh. and looked exactly like this. Oh. This star was developed around 3000 BC. Hmm. So Very this star has been around much longer and was adopted to be the compass. And, and, it, and it's a symbol in, in many different faiths, actually. There's a lot of similarities. There's more that brings us together than divides us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we, we look at in faith and in business and in technology. We've got a lot of competition, you know, just to go back to blockchain for a mm-hmm. second, mm-hmm. among the companies. But if you look at the, the hardcore, you know, blockchain companies mm-hmm. like uh, our investors like Blockcelerate, mm-hmm. Kate and I share deals all the time, mm-hmm. and they're good people. Mm-hmm. And there, there's others too. I mean, nobody else is doing it full time, um, except for the two of us. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of other companies, and they come together. And last summer, we had the event. Joseph Williams, when he was still with the governor's office, yeah. put together with Perkins Coie. Right. We had over a hundred people in there. There was not one person that didn't know every other person in the audience. That was a really good event because it was it was on a, a full on um, just warm hearted conversation between the community and the DFI and um, everyone was there to listen and share and ask open um, to use de- days where candid questions and we got candid answers back. I think we need to have those at least once a year at the minimum, like even maybe two or three times a year. 
That's a good idea. So that's a great idea. We should do it through the Blockchain Council. Yeah. I've been talking with Charlie Carter and Joe, and Joe Vincent at yeah. DFI. Let's get it set up because the more that this organization or individuals can educate our legislators and regulators, yeah. it makes this a better place to do business. also makes people a, a better place to to live and you know switching Work back and- to, to faith and all the other things. I work with... Um, I meet once a month mm-hmm. with one of the professors at Seattle University, which oh. is a Jesuit college. Yeah. We've gotten to be friends. He's one of the trustees for the Parliament of World Religions. Yeah. And we talk about theosophy, you know, religion, philosophy, and pluralism and how that works in, in the community. Wow. When on one of these events, it'd be really cool to have it like live streamed or like ha- be able to be a fly on the wall to hear the conversation. Just out of curiosity so we are planning that as an interfaith group meeting probably for early next year but absolutely yeah yeah it'd be really interesting just i think what we often get wrong is uh you know instead of like looking at other people as the other you know just having conversation makes them just brings the whole community together even if we may have differing opinions on x y or z uh, we should have more conversations, right? Get to know your neighbor. Absolutely. And like you said, the whole like being candid and, you know, occasionally maybe being blunt. Uh, I picked that from, I picked that up from Ed Catmull, um, Creativity Inc., the book oh, that he yeah. did mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. he ran Pixar and worked side by side with Steve Jobs for yeah. such a long time. But that was one of the run- running themes that he credited to uh, having Pixar being so uh, amazingly crazy off the charts successful which is not to use the word honesty yeah. because that brings in, um, uh, what's that called? Judgment. Judgment, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's more about just candor. Just say it. Like, if you think the first draft of my Toy Story movie script sucks, just tell me it sucks and then tell me why and then we can make it better. Yeah. You know, they, they go through so many iterations of those movies mm-hmm. to make them you know, as basically perfect as they could possibly be for theatrical release. Right. And the proof is in the numbers. I mean, those movies make yeah. like How crazy. many winners have they had? Oh, so it's, it's like many. ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it, they have defied all logic when it comes to any sort of like reasonable movie studio expectations and success. It is yeah. crazy. And so I go back to the whole thing about candor. You know, it's like, yeah, honesty's good. You know, you don't want to lie. Nope. But I would just rather be extremely candid and to the point sometimes of being blunt to make my make my points. I'm I'm there. I, I can be overly blunt. <laughs> you know, there, there are times and sometimes I forget because when people say, no, no, really, tell me what you want. And I'm super direct. I never mean to offend anybody. I'm just generally somebody. Says, oh, they really want to hear. Well, here's all of the things that you should think about. Right. I'm not saying you should do them, but no, I get it. That can be problematic sometimes. So that's so funny what? because the very first time I met you for lunch, you know, I tied along with Ari. We met at mm-hmm. uh, Din Tai Fung oh, locally. Yeah, Extremely yeah. successful, amazing restaurant, so right? Good. David over there was in your class over at the uh, Puget Sound uh, Business Journal 40 under 40. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we love going there. I, I sat down for lunch and then we talked and we talked about how I was kind of like transitioning into kind of like maybe new career path. And I remember so distinctly, it's like a movie scene in my mind. You looked at me after <laughs> Ari said that, you know, you know, I was looking for something. And then you looked at me and looked at Ari and you said, is he smart? <laughs> and I was, I was sitting there, you know, I'm just like, you know, I, I didn't take any offense to it at all. I thought it was more funny than anything else, but it's like, yeah, you want to, you know, you want to have that kind of like very candid, uh, you know, conversations. And when you're going to work with somebody, it's important. It is. And I wouldn't have done that with anybody. And we have a very, uh, Ari and I have a very candid yeah. conversation. Conversation, right. and someday we should share. We'll share with the kids <laughs> the the sort of icebreaker over the founder dating. What was the icebreaker? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I know. I'm gonna have to go back through my papers and look it over. Oh man! So let's anyway. segue kind of on the journey of Lawrence, and you know, in Seattle, I think I remember from shout out to Matt Case, Crypto for Idiots. You have a history in, uh, I think, payments? Yes. Payments, okay. digital stuff. So yeah. I started building payment systems in 1991, which came from my love 
of the original place where we got virtual currency gaming. And I got I got a just brief history. Uh, when I was in college, I got my hands on the source code for NetHack, which is a character-based, turn-by-turn, incredibly primitive by today's standards, but it had a payment system and you could get gold. And so I read through the source code, found all the ways to break it. So if you dropped negative one gold coins, it would wrap around and give you four billion. Oh gosh. So there were little things, but but it was an interesting thing. And then I went to work for a company called Follett Campus Resources. And they ran at the time and probably still do about half the college campuses in the country. So we built for them an inventory system to buy books, sell new and used textbooks. It was a big business for them. But then they said, hey, why don't we build a point of sale system? So I built the first debit and credit card system with rules based on an old OS2 version, I think 1.3 server and short haul modems. We didn't even have long haul modems. Wait a minute, when you say you built, you like coded it? Yeah. You code? Yeah, I started my career as a developer. Oh, yeah, really? You didn't yeah. know that? <laughs> I knew that. You didn't know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. I helped debug the first C++ compiler, and I went back and forth with Bjorn Strustrup. So yeah, so I coded until the early 2000s. Do you miss like, it? Do you miss it? Yeah, I do. You do? Oh, it's wow. a simpler life. It's because you're creating something. I love to build things. This is just a microcosm of building things, and I always build trust systems. Somebody, when I got interviewed for NPR, mm -hmm. the guy said to me, these aren't payment systems. These are trust because you're finding a way to extend some virtual currency or virtual thing. I, you know, I helped design some early stuff at Discover Card. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to get from a person to another person or a merchant or whatever, the ability to transact trust because you were believe you had a firm belief that I was actually sending you money that it wouldn't clear in your bank for a couple of days. And then lo and behold, it actually showed up there and you got these reconciliation reports and suddenly, you know, the, the ability to move currency between one place and another and do it on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it would just kind of open my mind and it's like, well, wait, if we could do this with email, mm -hmm. why can't we do it with money? Mm -hmm. And then in the late 90s, mm -hmm. I went to Cooper's and Librand and Motorola had brought us in and said, hey, we've got these phones, the old Nextel push to talk phones. Oh, yeah. I and they those. owned so much of the construction industry, especially down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And they said, we want to figure out a way to put money on these. Mm -hmm. And go way back when, because what's old is new, mm -hmm. yeah. you had Digicash and eCash mm -hmm. uh, systems that were built. And ultimately, they weren't successful mm -hmm. simply because the infrastructure and the technology wasn't there. Fast forward to 2019, mm -hmm. David Chom, the founder, um, has just announced Elixir and Praxis, which is his purportedly, I don't know whether it is or not, but I'm really eager to dive into it, quantum safe cryptocurrency. Wow. Well, there's a lot of the, words there. Hold yeah. The quantum part, quantum computing is the one uh, far off technology that people are saying could be what breaks the algorithm, the SHA-256 algorithm for finding the next, you know, block reward. Because crypto, because quantum allows you to compute much, much faster and much, much higher. Right. And the interesting thing that since we're here in Seattle, the biggest problem with quantum is the cooling because you have to, to get the, the cores very cool and heat will disrupt just it. Just melt themselves. Basically. So quantum yeah. computing means you have like super, super, super computers that get really hot now that need to be cool that can do math and th problem solving well, super, do, super fast. Do math more than ones and zeros like we do in traditional chips. But where do we live? In Seattle. Seattle. And what is Seattle the home of? Cloud. Oh. <laughs> Cooler go weather, rain. Close. Yeah. Go back. Um, go back farther. Hydropower. I don't know. <laughs> Cray computing. What? Oh, Cray was out. Cray was out here. Cray? I didn't know that. What? What's Cray computing? <laughs> Sorry. Cray. Cray. C R A Y. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Really. 
Fifth Avenue? You're looking at me funny. I mean, Aaron and so, I are only eight years apart, but I guess there's a chasm of uh, difference in <laughs> So you know, Cray were the knowledge. first supercomputers. They're Cray. headquartered here. Really? And what did they invent? The way to supercool computers with liquid nitrogen. Really? So. Okay. If I were betting, and I never bet. What? Never. Never? I always place educated thoughts. I would look at a company like Cray and say, why aren't they working on quantum computing? Because they arguably did write the book. Are they still on, around? Yeah. I'll pull up my little Wikipedia well, I didn't know, right now. I didn't know yeah, they were still they're, around. They're, yeah, they're downtown. Oh, I okay. had no idea. And they're still rocking it. Oh, wow. Yeah. With liquid nitrogen cooling, quantum <laughs> computing. Well, I didn't say they were doing quantum computing, but I would say if I was betting... Uh-huh. That they would be. They're doing a ton of work in big data. You know what? We should have them come to yeah. an event. There, oh, there's the tons WTA. of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's get them out. It's easy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that. Hey, Cray <laughs> is an American supercomputer manufacturer, headquartered in Seattle. It manufactures systems for data storage and analytics. Several Cray computer systems are listed in the top 500, which ranks the most powerful supercomputers in the world. What? Man, I'm a shame big on geek. me. I should have known. I should have known I, they were I'm, still around. I'm a big. Hey, I, I can tell you who the first computer programmer was. <laughs> yeah, they have 1,200 about 1,200 employees as of 2015, which is when the Wikipedia was updated. It was uh, founded by Seymour Cray. By chance, is it that lady Hopper from the Navy? Grace Admiral Grace, Grace Hopper yeah. is a wonderful person, but she's off by a couple by about a hundred and fifty years. Oh, okay. So that far. Okay. Ada Lovelace, <laughs> Ada Lovelace, who is the daughter of Lord Byron, was the world's first full stop programmer. So oh, yeah. not only did the industry start with women, mm-hmm. she was the most brilliant mathematician of her time, arguably. And she worked with Charles Babbage, who built a difference engine, which was the first computer hardware. And she wrote the program and all the specs for it so much so that a hundred years later, not Turing, brilliant mind, uh, he used her math to start building computers during World War so II. isn't this funny? Babbage's difference machine? I mm-hmm. definitely remember him from my computer science studies. Yep. The other gal, uh, for some reason, doesn't doesn't ring a bell. You know? Yeah. So, why is that? Um, for for and, and it's unfortunate. And Ada, there's an Ada books technical books on Fifteenth in Capitol Hill. What wow. Ada books? Yeah. And her birthday is for the day we remember her is October twelfth. So that's coming up, and that is International Ada Day. What? There's International Ada Day. Yeah. So it's a celebration of her life, trying to get more young girls into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And there are competitions all over the world. There are parties. And she died really young. She was 36. Wow. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Cancer. I have to just ask the question that's been looming in my head over the last, I don't know, 15 minutes. Yes. How do you keep this all in your head? Like, do you read every day? Do you read like 200 books a day and then like read the entire internet and you've read every single wikipedia encyclopedia and dictionary to known to man like how do you keep all this information i've got a really good memory <laughs> and people have taught me a lot of different memory tricks over the years okay and so you actively work on the memory oh part? yeah okay i mean look at all of the fun <laughs> cool things that go on in our lives uh-huh. why not have them to to kind of pull back and store, retrieve, talk about. And we've gotten a little bit lazy, right? So this is a different thing. Back in the day and probably, no pun intended, Day probably memorized 50 phone numbers Mm -hmm. of people he knows. Mm -hmm. Can you remember five? You know, just like a lot of people when they're growing up, I can remember my own phone numbers. But I can't remember anyone else's. Right. Like, I, I, so I do remember some prefixes really well. And I used to use it as a dating trick uh, when I was dating back in the days. <laughs> if I learned where a gal was from, mm-hmm. then I could tell her her uh, area code where she lived. What? Because I worked in telecom. <laughs> <laughs> I need to remember that. <laughs> oh, you're from Denver. That's three or three. Albany, New York. You know? Well, I don't. Albany's too small. <laughs> Isn't that the capital of New York? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that, that was the geeky kind of way that I could break the ice uh, sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, telephone I love numbers. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, the- and so, by the way, it never worked, by the way. Any, anybody who's out there, it never worked. <laughs> we'll try it again. Well, you didn't do it on me, so I guess it worked. <laughs> I, 
I just remember I've got a good memory, and yes, I do read a ton of stuff. Who is it? Then what's your day like? I wake up at three in the morning. I sleep for an hour because I have no other time to read, and I read from like three to six. Because I know your your messages to me sometimes come at like weird hours of the day, night, and I go like. When does he sleep? <laughs> so I don't sleep a lot. So I meditate a lot. How's that help? Because deep meditative states, and there are scientific studies that demonstrate that same level of meditation gives you the same level of uh, rest and healing that sleep does, right? Our bodies heal and repair themselves when we sleep yeah. at a higher level of efficiency. Right. So the more that you do that, the better it is for you. And then I've been on the internet since 1982. So I've been getting Usenet feeds and internet feeds to read all kinds of stuff. And I've got a lot of hobbies and interests. So Wait, so then like, do you have, do you, I, I'm just trying to picture this. Do you, you, so you wake up and you read or you wake up and then you... You meditate for an hour to make up for four hours of sleep that you didn't get. And then you pop open an iPad, Kindle, laptop, or... you have- While I'm hiking in the park. Really? Really. So then you got your papers or your iPad as you're, you're skimming through as you're walking? Yeah. And you walk for like 10 minutes, one hour? About an hour. I remember most of what people tell me and what uh-huh. I hear, so... I, I, that also helps. You probably know all of these things. And if I reminded you of something that we talked about four years ago, while it may not be in in the near-term, short-term mm-hmm. memory, mm-hmm. it'll come back to you. And I've just been working on it, right? This is this is just a big geek trick of, of doing that. It's not rocket science or magic. Huh. It's it's just all about. So how did you know that this is, did you know that this was stuff that you wanted to work on as you were like come going into college, leaving high oh school? Oh my God. Have you always been this person or have you evolved into this must be soaking information always? Because I know Day consumes a ton of content. I'm always amazed Jeez, by it. You're very annoyed by it too, most of the time. Sometimes, well, yeah. Actually, you've been, you've been better about it these days. Yeah. yeah. So. How? Yeah, if you haven't heard me tell this story, twenty-two-year-old would hate me. Me would hate me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He was a programmer. That's all he lived for. Mm-hmm. That and science fiction, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of faith at the time. Mm-hmm. But that was paganism it. back then too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you grow up pagan? No. Oh. No. Grew up Jewish. Oh. And didn't find sustenance in in that, and found it in college. Formed a coven with some other people and got taught by some really smart people. But no, 22-year-old me, programmer, manager, somebody, he would have been like, what are you selling out for? What You don't want to manage people? Go and write code. Be pure. And over time, it was like really interesting to be able to work with people and interact with them, not the way a computer does, but exchange ideas and information and then start to organize that into systems of trust, right? Going back to, here's how payments work. And in order to do that, we have to exchange some information, which sort of helped with girls, sort of didn't, because some of them were really turned off. And back then, if you were a programmer, people would go, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's the worst. You know, I'm sure you'll find a real job someday. (laughs) But, you know, it, it worked out over time and, got to meet a woman and then now I meet other women. <laughs> we had a long, we had a 24 year dry spell. Let's, let's leave it at that. Let's go into the payment stuff. Yeah. I'm very fascinated by the world of payments. As everyone knows. Uh, maybe everyone knows, maybe everyone ever knows that, but um, it touches so many aspects of our lives and it goes back to the whole conversation about Bitcoin and what is money and you know, the whole thing about, you know, glass beads seashells, rocks. I mean, just uh, people have used various forms of money since the beginning of humanity, probably. I, I think they say that it go, like money goes back further than writing itself. I think that this whole blockchain crypto, Bitcoin, probably mainly Bitcoin, uh, now we have Lightning. Like, wh- yep. Where do you see you know, all of the, the Bitcoin blockchain, Bitcoin um, Lightning going for payments in the future? So, so payments are a way. Don't see it in the future. No, I, yeah. I see absolutely, and I see it to continuing to evolve. Payments are a way of a- exchanging a value that a person has to another person, whether that person isn't an entity like a company or not. And instead of saying, "I will do some service for you," you know, I'll plow your field and you'll feed me. I will give you something that I have a value, 
And right now that can be a currency that we ascribe a value to, is pegged to something like a stable coin, or is a fiat currency, or a stuffed animal that is worth something to, to you, or it becomes a digital or a digital asset like a ticket or a rare and collectible uh, Major League Baseball card. I met a company doing that last year. There will always be a value exchange. How we do that and the fact that we don't need it with a centralized authority creates a bigger level of trust and interest of people because suddenly it becomes things that we really want. The reason you collect money is again, Lawrence's opinion, is for safety, security, and to collect other things that you want. At some point, you say to yourself, I don't want these other things, or I don't need, or I have enough, but there are things that I use temporarily or consume, like food or, or other uh, consumable goods or paying rent or mortgage on on a home. So you're you're exchanging value. But if you could get that va that same value in an easier and you could call it a barter system way. I, I mean I you could put it to the audience and say think about it. If you could get all of your groceries for the next week for you and uh, your family of choice for some really great artwork that you created, would you do it? So I actually zoned out can you say that one more time? Sorry, I zoned if, out. What's the question again? <laughs> so, so I, instead I of the whole thing, and then like the very end, I just zoned out for some so reason. So instead of someone giving giving someone uh, a currency amount, uh -huh. and you're a really good artist, mm -hmm. you create some artwork, and someone says, "Wow, I really like that. I'll exchange it for you for all the groceries you and your your family will right. need for the next week." Right. Would you do it? Um, probably, probably because, well, probably depending on how much food I have left. Yeah. I mean, that's something why, that Why I would that exchange. matter? Well, if I don't have any food and I need to eat. Well, I'd say like how long it takes me, me to make the art. So if it takes me 10 hours to make the art, mm. if it takes oh. me an hour to make the art, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, so, so then we get into what's the value exchange. Yeah. I can't make, well, actually I'm learning to be an artist too. Oh. That's insane. I'll show you some trees I drew. Put a fine point on it. Every week you and your kids need groceries yeah. and you spend a certain amount of cash on them. And if you spent somewhat level, some level of resources that you have to make digital art, something else, a chair, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and you could equate that value in your own mind to the amount of groceries that you're getting from someone else. Mm -hmm. And that other person might say, groceries are great, but I need my rent paid. Mm -hmm. And they may exchange the chair that they got from you, you know, hypothetically, for for that next month's rent. Right. You know, would you do it if it was an easy way to do it, not very complicated? And that's what cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, digital wallets allow us to do. That's one of the reasons I'm always hammering people. Build a great wallet. Because once you can store digital certificates mm -hmm. that are worth tokens, currency, ownership of land, stocks, whatever it is, or that really great rare baseball card that you, you must have, and you could exchange it with someone easily and transparently to get something you want... That's what markets and exchanges are all about. Yeah. You've touched on it a few times about this uh, idea of trust. Yep. And so one of the biggest ideas in this space is the idea of no third parties, no trusted third parties, no need for a trusted third party. No rent keepers, as uh, Jimmy Song called rent them, right? Seekers. Oh, rent seekers. <laughs> seekers, keepers. Wrong, wrong consonant in the beginning of the word. The way that I'm kind of coming to grips with that, because I think it's really hard for people to understand um, like trustless value of exchange. I think it's, I think it just, that just blows people's minds. And then you say, well, you know, it, it's a little easier to understand, well, I don't want to trust a retailer with all my checking account information or a bank right. with my credit card information or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, if you explain those words, I think people understand it. I wonder maybe you could elaborate more on the idea of it's actually trust, not trust. You know what I mean? So like you're right. trying, you, you can, because of the algorithm, you can trust this person. You hit it. But 
you don't want to trust any other stuff out there, you know, and, and the fact that it's open source software, anyone can check it, that kind of stuff. That's right. And that's a good thing. So you, you hit it on the head. In math, we trust. The math allows us to exchange some values and just say, I put this in and I'm going to use another big word that I'll explain Mm -hmm. through Mm non-repudiation, right? What I started with is what you received and nobody mucked with it Mm -hmm. along the way. And then I got an acknowledgement, right? The triple entry accounting that blockchain provides. I got paid. Mm -hmm. You received it. And there is a live audit trail, Mm -hmm. whether it's public or private isn't really important, that says it's all there and done. Mm -hmm. And then it comes back to me. Mm -hmm. So you trust that the math worked Mm -hmm. because now you have it in your hands. And there is a different level of trust that that creates. Thinking about it, one of the earliest things that that we looked at for for Bitcoin uh, with one of my early startups was subscription services. Because there's lots of times when you go into a health club or a tanning salon or any of these places where you you buy a year's worth of stuff. Well, you can go and complain to a third party and say, oh, you know, I bought a year's worth of tanning, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that meant 12 months. Mm -hmm. So six months into it, you go... You know, I, I, I didn't understand. So you can complain to a third party. And if you're convincing enough or loud enough, mm-hmm. you can get them to reverse the transaction. Right. But in a cryptocurrency world, there's no way to do that. So you have to trust. You have to engage that other human being in a conversation. And I think that's a better way to do it and say, hey, let me, let me be really honest. I can't afford 12 months worth of, you know, sun tanning. I, I can only afford, and, and maybe there's a conversation to be had. And that is going to create a bigger level of trust with you in the future if you ever have to do business with this merchant, right? Because you've established a rapport with them. And if people were able to do that, and obviously it gets more complicated when it's businesses mm-hmm. and you're shipping, you know, tens of thousands of auto parts or uh, a million apples or whatever, whatever it is. But there's a dialogue that happens as opposed to going to a legal contract as opposed to smart contracts like we have on the blockchain, Mm -hmm. which say certain things are going to happen and say, well, but I, you know, this loophole says I could do this or that. Now you're down to a communication with human beings and you're building a trust system between them. So much work to do still. I guess maybe as a final rapper thought, I'm getting well, to know Lawrence Lawner. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah w- well, I was just going to say, yeah, just to kind of uh, kind of start to land the ship here, yeah. or land the plane here. I mean, so you have this, uh, you know, amazing library of history mm-hmm. uh, that you've gone through and then you move to Seattle you know, and so we have this, uh, you know, based on that conversation, Aaron and I have kind of traded notes on this, but it's the technology evolution because mm-hmm. it's not, you know, crazy groundbreaking, you know, white paper, Satoshi's white paper is built on you know, 13 pages, I think it is. And it's got nine references in there that go back decades. Yep. Right. So, it, you know, I think he even says in there, he, she, it says, you know, I've built this on the um, on work the foundations others. and works of other people, like great, great work done by other people. And so it's like actually maybe the technology evolution, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely a trust revolution mm-hmm. because there's yep. so much tr- mistrust that's being created yeah. Uh, by bad policy, bad management, bad bad something, you the know, out there. Bad mojo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so um just to kind of like, you know, go into the future of Lawrence. A long way of saying what's in the future of Lawrence, you know, going forward here in Seattle, assuming you'll stay here. Oh yeah. So that's part one and then part uh-huh. two of the question is what do you want for the future of Seattle in the next five years? What would you like to see here? Um, oh, yeah, from technologists yeah. and investors and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So next for me is more the same, right? So I've always ridden the, the wave of emerging technologies and made it every day. I did that internet, social, mobile. Uh, and I've really enjoyed that because it lets me interact with people, do cool things, create lots of jobs, and build stuff. And I think that's the same for for Seattle is we have a, a burgeoning, almost overpopulation problem. We've got no place to build but up. And finding economic empowerment for everybody, I think, is super important. So how we sort of normalize that uh, against 
how people earn, how they their ability to get around the city, because that's one of the constraints. I mean, we've got a good, not great public transportation okay. system and limited road space, right? There's no place to build other roads, so we've got to find some workarounds. That darn physical layer again, going back to our telecom <laughs> yeah. background, you know. <laughs> and physical this, layer, it's very hard. <laughs> this layer is extremely hard to change. So the question is, how can individuals get involved and get motivated? Everybody should go out and vote. Make your intents known. You know, these are the things that you want to see for the city because if you don't do it, some, if you don't show up, somebody else will make the choice for you. I would love to see people, more economic empowerment. Obviously, I love the tech, but mm-hmm. it does create disparity. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more investors come to town. So we, more investing for you or more in the future? And you were about to say something on it. Yeah, definitely more for me, but what we call direct foreign investment. And foreign means anywhere outside of the state. Because this is a great place. I mean, you said it earlier, Cloud City. Yeah. We have developed so many great technologies here. And where there's sort of undiscovered treasure, Mm -hmm. I I think, for so many places. So uh, more investing is in my future. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, working with others to bring more of that money in to invest in all sorts of, you know, the environmental, the technical, the, you know, all of the infrastructure layers that you need to build a city. Because uh, this is a great place for a return on investment and for social impact funds. Mm-hmm. Because those actually do have and are showing better returns than. Uh, some standard funds, and they do more than philanthropy because philanthropy is 100% loss investment. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But if you could make money, empower lives, transform people, and get a profit and maybe put some of it back, because the more you have, the more you have to give. Right. I think that's an amazing thing. I agree. All right. What else? (laughs) (laughs) What else do we have? I think that's a good picture of Lawrence. Is there anything else that we missed that you want to say? Thank you. Thank you so much to both of you for having me. Thank you for your friendship and uh, letting me ramble on for all this time. Yeah, <laughs> learning a lot. I'm like, oh man, I got a lot of reading to do myself. Okay, like so if, uh, if folks want to reach out to you, what is the best way or maybe best couple of ways that they can do that? Uh, you can come to my website, Lawrence I. My middle name is Ira. Oh. Learner. L-E-R-N-E-R dot com. Reach me on Telegram at Rev Innovator, R-E-V-I-N-N-O-V-A-T-O-R, or Lawrence at LawrenceILearner dot com. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing well, that. Thank you for coming in. Seriously, it's been thank great you. to get to know you even more, you know. So, I mean, we've been kind of like passing like ships in the nights for, you know, ever since that first time we met at Din Tai Fung. Uh, but it's tough too in a very hectic and very busy environment. Lots of children. pools and Two children kids. and family <laughs> and travel and everything. Uh, it's tough to sit down and really, really have a heart-to-heart conversation and you know really get to know the real Lawrence Learner. So greatly appreciate you coming in. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm a big fan and will continue to be a big fan. So thanks for coming in. And thanks to our listeners. Thanks for... Uh, listening to the show. Hope you'll uh, give us some great ratings and reviews and uh, together we rise. Be nice to each other out there, y'all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, y'all. This is Andy from Charlotte, North Carolina. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guest or its host are to be taken as financial or legal or psychological or dietary advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening, you acknowledge that the hosts, Arian Day, and their guests are not financial advisors or legal scholars of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of the known universe are purely ironic and coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction, and that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening.
Yeah. And he's got to pack up the uh, podcast uh, studio for Thursday. <laughs> we got to go and record elsewhere. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Dave's yeah. like, eh. so I turned you up a little bit. Any closer, and I'm licking it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I'm. All right. I mean, that's that's about there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This time we are not sucking on candies in the beginning. That's what happened with this was saddle recording. We were all like sucking on Altoids and we're like, as we're talking. I don't know if I've ever finished an Altoid. What? You crunch it. You get down to the to the end and you crunch it. How much closer can I come in? <laughs> when you when you said come in, start talking. I, I, I'm sorry. I was being funny. All right. Is this a good level? Yeah. You want need me to keep going? No, I got it. A B C D E F G sibilance sibilance. What is sibilance? Sibilance is what uh, roadies do when they're testing out mics. They say sibilance because sibilance. 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 It's the balance. Balance, yeah, sibilance, yeah. When when you're on the mic, so oh. they want to hear it nice, even flow. No matter who you are, when you're singing, sibilance. if you're Aerosmith, Def Leppard. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin <laughs> Man. The Muffin Man. All right. All right. We were singing that yeah. this morning. Give me one second. Check one two three. Hello ABC one two three. Baby, if you've ever wondered. All right. Okay, Whatever happened so, to me? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> welcome, 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 Lawrence. <laughs> welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. Right, so. Blaze and the Monster Machines, yeah. Blaze and the Monster Machines, yeah. Blaze, Blaze. Punch, punch, punch. No, bunts, bunts, bunts. PJ Masks, the PJ Masks. A, B, C, D. Sibilance. A B C Sibilance. D E F G. Okay. Sibilance. Sibilance. Two turntables and a microphone. What more could I possibly give you? Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. See, old school rap is the best rap. <laughs> and it's got to be East Coast and not West Coast. I know. Really? What's the difference? Are you really asking oh, me? I am pop culture on You're saying East Coast. You're saying East Coast. East Coast. Oh, oh I grew up no East kidding. Coast. Yeah, yeah, East yeah. Coast. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, so I appreciate. I really, really appreciate Run DMC. I mean, Run DMC Run. is yeah, Run. Right? Oh, my wrong God. generation. But what? I've, uh, I, I've since living out here since '95. Uh, I've come to embrace the West Coast. I'm not you know, saying West there's Coast. anything wrong with it, but if you have to choose, right? I don't even know the difference. Stir-fried tofu versus soft tofu. I mean, it's just one of those things. 